Good morning, church. How's everyone doing this morning? Good. So we've been kind of continuing today in our teaching series on the Psalms, calling it a Summer of Psalms, uh, and kind of trying to have a a bit of a survey of different types of Psalms, the different ways that they can still inform our worship and prayer life today as a people of God. You know, it's quite perfect, I think, how Daryl set it up, is as we saw in week one, we really see these two themes emerge throughout the Psalms. And they were themes of Torah, of following the law, but also remembering God's covenant, God's covenant with God's people, God's faithfulness, God's provision, quite literally leading them through the desert and providing. And also this theme of looking forward with hope and the Messianic King to come. And so there's this looking back in faithfulness and also a looking forward in hope. And all the while in the middle of what's often, you know, many of the Psalms, uh, they are Psalms of lament or Psalms of, uh, of deep emotion, of, of there's, there's raw human experience that's articulated there. And kind of in the middle, in the gap of this crying out to God for help, for salvation, and yet even, even the while those themes kind of throughout the whole arc of the 150 psalms of the looking back in faithfulness and the looking forward with hope. And as a people, a Christian people today, we still find ourselves in that middle, in that middle piece of we can look back. As a people called Revolution Church of 13 years, we can look back and see God's faithfulness and God's provision through the wilderness and through the storms, and through the changes, and yet still we gather every Sunday to celebrate the resurrection, and the hope, and our salvation, and we look forward to that day, that coming King. In the first uh, week of this series, I talked about Walter Brueggemann, who talks about sort of the disorientation stages of life, when things just feel completely out of whack, disoriented, and that's where we find a lot of the Psalms. That's also kind of that messy middle part of life we talk about in the in-between. And that's where we are. We have reasons to celebrate, we have reasons to lament, and we always have reasons to look forward with hope. So that's what we're going to continue in this morning. Uh, The way that we're kind of approaching this is after week one of that introduction of kind of some of these major themes, then we're going to look at a different type of psalm kind of each week. So Daryl kicked us off last week looking at some of those uh, praise psalms or ones that have been used kind of in worship, uh, both individual and and corporate. There's different types there. Uh, And this morning, we're going to take a look at, very simply, different types of prayers that we find in the psalms. And you're thinking, wait a second, didn't you say two weeks ago that the psalms are a prayer book? Yes, yes, I did. So all of them are technically prayers, But we're going to look at kind of different types as we go through the next couple of weeks. And today I'm going to look at some prayers for help and deliverance, as well as some prayers for confidence and trust, that we see the psalmist proclaiming their hope and their confidence and their trust in God. All right, Doug, I'm going to have you roll it for me, because it's, you know, my iPad thinks that it's still at the lake, I guess. I'm not sure. All right, next one, yep. 
Yay, Doug. Okay, so I shared this week one. The book of Psalms is to be the prayer book of God's people as they strive to be faithful to the commands of God's Torah and as they hope and wait for the Messianic King. So it's to be the prayer book of God's people. Kind of very just basically a prayer book. We know that Jesus prayed the Psalms. We know that Paul encouraged the early church to pray the Psalms. We looked at that passage It's on a slide on Ephesians chapter 5 of encouraging them to address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. And then today, we know that both Jews and Christians pray the psalms along with, I love this, along with popes and peasants and pop stars. The psalms make space for all such people to pray the most honest prayers that God will ever hear. Popes, peasants, and pop stars. As Daryl, some really great songwriters, some of the best of all time. I was listening last week, waiting, waiting. He's listing all these music writers, all these songwriters, and I'm going, and, and Taylor Swift. And he did it. I was so proud. (laughs) Genius. She is a musical genius. (laughs) But these psalms really make room for all types of people, all types of people to pray the most honest prayers that God will ever pray. And so I think for us today, if we look at the psalms and how they can really inform our, our prayer and our worship life today, they really can teach us how to pray. They can be the tools and the resources that we need to give us in times when we feel like we may not have the words or we don't know how to articulate what we're feeling or if we feel like you're in that place where you have to have it all together before you can go to God in prayer. You have to say the right things, that there's some formula. I can't pray in front of people. I don't know. I, I, I'm not, I don't have that fancy language. You know what I'm, you know that feeling. Fourth century pastor Basil the Great said the Psalms invite all alike on the journey He says this, to novices, it's a beginning, to those who are advancing, an increase, and to those who are concluding, a confirmation. Kind of no matter where you find yourself on the journey of faith or how confident you feel in your prayer life. Maybe you're sitting here today going, yeah, I mean, I I know how to pray. I just, man, I know I I don't do it as much as I'd like, or I want to strengthen that relationship. The Psalms offer us a resource, a prayer book to teach us how to pray, of how to talk to God and with God, of how to go before the Lord with all that we have. Uh, There's a a resource that I'm kind of reading right now to kind of inform uh, my study of the Psalms, and it's by a man named David Taylor. It's called Open and Unafraid. Uh, It's about the prayer book of the Psalms. And he claims, he says, that the Psalms really show us the nature of faithful prayer. They show us how to pray. And I have several, I'm sorry, Doug, this was not the week for it not to work. There are several slides. I'm going to just quickly, he says there are many, many ways, but here are six kind of highlighted ways of how the Psalms show us the nature of faithful prayer. The first is that they invite us into conversation with a particular God. This is not just a generic deity in the ancient Near East of all kinds of other sort of cultural idols or gods or deities. This isn't just anyone. This God has a story. And throughout the Psalms, we see that this is the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. This is the God of Moses, who delivered Israel from slavery. This God is creator, king, lord, mighty one, refuge, light, warrior. Throughout the Psalms, this God is named. We know that this is a particular God, a God with a story 
and a God with a people. This is a God who protects the widows, provides for the weak and needy, forgives the penitent, and redeems the sinner. As a part of the canon of scripture that reveals God to us in God's character, the Psalms are a part of that, revealing to us the nature and love of God. The second is that the Psalms model for us a rhythm of call and response. God calls. God always moves first. God loves first. God pursues us and that provenient grace first. And the Psalms give us words to respond. It's not a monologue, although it might seem like it. Like these aren't words from God. These are human words. It's not a monologue. It really is a dialogue where we pour all of the contents of our hearts out in prayer and then wait to receive a response from the Lord. Eugene Peterson says the Psalms teach us how to answer God who's always calling us and inviting us to know and love him. As a part of this conversation, the Psalms model for us, this is the third one, a dialogue of individual and communal prayer. Week one, we said that there are two basic types of Psalms. There are Psalms of praise and there are Psalms of lament. But then within that, there are also individual prayers and clearly communal prayers in communal prayers of lament and communal songs of praise, that there are both. And again, as a part of this kind of dialogue, the fourth way that the Psalms show us the nature of faithful prayer is that they invite us to observe faithful silence. This is where that dialogue comes in, where you make room and space. As we respond to God in prayer, we make space and room to listen and to wait, and to meditate. The goal of the Psalms is not only to be trained in faithful speech and words, but to also be trained in faithful silence. I don't know about you, but sometimes we can be uncomfortable with silence. If I pause here too long, you're going to think, uh-oh, <laughs> She's losing it. What's going on? She's a pregnant pause, if you will, filled with hope and possibility. <laughs> Psalms train us in faithful silence as well. And there's a word, if you're familiar, familiar with it, selah, a Hebrew word that you'll sometimes see throughout the Psalms that scholars know it's supposed to function as a kind of pause. It's supposed to indicate to the gathered community of people to take a beat, to take a breath, and invites us as the reader and the prayer now to listen and to meditate and to not rush on. Psalms invite us to observe a faithful silence as we wait upon the Lord. Psalm 62.1 says, For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. Waiting is hard. Learning to pray is sometimes hard. The Psalms help us, teach us faithful silence. And then fifth, the Psalms invite us to say all kinds of things to God. All kinds of things. The good news is that we don't, nothing's off, off limits. Nothing is excluded all human emotion we can imagine invites us to say all kinds of things to God. 
two slides here, Doug, from you are holy. We love you. Help us. I have sinned. Forgive me. Why? How long? Defend me. Have mercy. You are good. And it continues. The Psalms invite us to ask and to question and to doubt and to seek all kinds of things. No emotion is excluded. No topic is out of bounds, including what we'll talk about next week, which is these complaint psalms. These, it gets a little ragey. The psalms can get a little ragey. A little filled with vengeance, it might seem. You think, where is this in the place of the journey of life and faith and faithfulness to God? It has an important role, a very important role. And Mike is going to cover that next week in the lament psalms and the, here's a big word, imprecatory psalms. <laughs> oh, she taught me that. Imprecatory psalms, the cursing psalms. Nothing is out of bounds, it seems, in this prayer book of words that we can take to God in prayer. This is good news for those of us who believe we have to have it all together before we can start praying. Neat and tidy and only hopeful. And then lastly, the Psalms teach us to pray not just for our own personal concerns, but they orient us toward the concerns for the whole world. Walter Brueggemann actually says that the Psalms are best prayed in kind of that stage of disorientation, when you feel like you're the one in the pit, helpless, needing deliverance, when you're the, the raw points of life. And that might be true, but I'd also argue that, you know, hopefully we're not always in that stage. And so how can we use these psalms when we're not in that vengeful, ragey, disoriented space in life? Well, I think they can train us to pray for those who are. We can pray for those who are feeling in the pit. And the Psalms can grow within us a spirit of sympathy and empathy and compassion for our neighbor as we faithfully pray through these Psalms. David Taylor says this, the Psalms would have us pray for our neighbors and for the world. This includes, I think I might have this on a slide, the need for justice the absurdity of evil, the reality of death, the miraculous gift of new life, the care of creation, the requirement to bear witness to the nations of God's steadfast love. The Psalms take on us an outward Psalms take us on an outward journey as often as they take us on an inward journey. And that's the formative part. Teaching us to pray teaching us to pray for our own concerns, for our community, but also for the world. So we're going to look at two psalms now as kind of an example of one, this sort of prayer for help and deliverance, and then also a prayer for sort of like trust and confidence in God, that very much forward-looking with hope that we have. This is sort of a, a sort of, here's, the, here's the tricky thing about psalms is that even within some of these, there are themes of both. You'll hear a little bit of complaint in some of these psalms at times. You Maybe not so ragey in this list, but I'm going to post this later. Um, so those of you that would like to go back and kind of have like a, a, an accordance of psalms, if you will, or a, a summary of them, 
for me, it's like I want to look at that list and say, I'm feeling this today. Which psalm can I go to? (laughs) And you can have a guide a little bit. But you'll feel a mix of both of them. But overall, these are the prayers that are cries to God for help and deliverance. Prayers like, be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O God. Prayers like, O Lord, my God, and you do I take refuge. Save me from my pursuers and deliver me. I call upon you, for you will answer me. Hear my just cause. Prayers like, attend to my ear. Be not far from me, for trouble is near. That's a good prayer. A prayer of send out your light and truth and lead me. Deliver me, O God, from evil men. Preserve me from violent men. And Lamont says that there are basically just three prayers that we need to pray in life. And it's help, thanks, and wow. I like that. Help, thanks, and wow. And in some stages in life, the only, the only word that I know how to utter at times in my prayer life is help. Help. And hear me, that is enough. That is enough. But there's also other words for help and deliverance, for I am languished. And here's just a few that we can turn to. So I want to read now Psalm 13. It's probably one of the more uh, familiar psalms for help because it starts with this question of God longing to be heard, maybe feeling a little bit uh, forgotten, a little bit uh, overlooked. Kind of that tension of we know that we can look back for God has not forsaken us, and yet the truth is there's some moments in life where we do feel forgotten. And this psalm gives us the permission to say, that's okay. You can pray that to God as well. Psalm 13, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Lift, light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoiced because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Six verses, and it begins with, How long, O Lord, and ends with, But I will sing to the Lord for you have dealt bountifully with me. Now, this psalm is attributed to David. But there are so few sort of uh, details or context clues here that we don't necessarily have a time and place for this psalm. Uh, some scholars think it's pretty generic in the sense that it could have been, you know, plural enemies, like any sort of human enemy could, it could apply to. But then other scholars think that it's clearly somebody who is maybe sick or death is imminent, and that is the enemy that they fear death. And that feeling of how long, O Lord, shall I wait? Maybe longing for healing, longing for help, feeling like 
death is at the doorstep. We're not sure which one, but I think because of the, the general use, it could be a, any, any point in life that we have that feeling of, really? <laughs> really, God? How much longer will this be my reality? How much longer will this suffering persist? And in that sense, it can apply to lots of different situations that we face. This psalm holds that kind of longing and cry for help and that complaint of, of have you forgotten me, kind of with praise together. With this truth that sort of God is involved in every aspect of our lives, even at our worst. It's this reality of life that we can feel both agony and also ecstasy sort of at the same time. One scholar says, as people of the cross, as Christians, we're sort of simultaneously people of that cross, but also people of the resurrection. People marked by suffering and yet also this eternal hope. Both things can exist and both are here that we can rejoice in God and our salvation. These are bold, brutally honest words of complaint and even accusation. And these petitions are urgent. There's an urgency in which we can go to God in prayer as well. Help and help, help me now. Especially if you imagine that the enemy this psalmist fears is death, an imminent death, there's an urgency to this prayer. This prayer, I think, gives us permission that we don't have to hesitate to pray out of offending God or offending others or shocking, maybe embarrassing ourselves. But these words give voice to our deepest feelings of abandonment or anxiety or turmoil and fear. How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I have sorrow in my heart all the day? Just one of the many prayers for help and deliverance. And the second one I want to look at is Psalm 145. And this is a prayer of trust and of confidence. This is just the first part of it. Is there, will you go back um, one slide, Doug? Here we go. Prayers of trust and confidence. So in these, we hear things like, the Lord is my shield. The Lord is my fortress. The Lord is my help, my refuge, my strength. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Psalm 145 is several verses long, but I want to just read the first five or six, maybe, ooh, maybe nine. Yeah, that'll be good too. Psalm 145 says this, I will extol you, my God and my King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. 
The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. How many of you have heard those two verses? Maybe you'd forgotten that they were in the Psalms. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. If you remember just for a second, the five books of Psalms, Psalm 145 actually is the very end before you reach the Hallelujah Psalms of 146 to 150. There are five that kind of conclude the whole entire book of Psalms. But it's believed that Psalm 145 was meant to sort of conclude book five of the Psalms. And that's why you can hear, even as it continues for 10 or 15 more verses past this, these themes of praising God, of the trust and confidence specifically in the king or kingdom of God. It's a a fit conclusion as we think about looking forward to that messianic kingdom and the reign of God. This is the conclusion, the climax of book five. And just like what Daryl taught last week, it is an acrostic pattern as well. That's sort of the first line, if you, from bottom to top, the first line of each, um, of each line of poetry in Hebrew, it spells out the root word for king or kingdom. This was a deliberate structure, a deliberate prayer and praise to God for God's reign, for praising God for God's activity and character that reveal God's grace and mercy and compassion and love. You can hear the theme of how we look back to God's faithfulness and have reason to praise. To pray this psalm means we live in the truth that our God reigns. And therefore you can trust and hope in him. St. Augustine said that we cannot experience contentment apart from praising God because you made us for yourself and our hearts find no peace until they rest in you. What I love about this psalm is that it invites us, along with all of creation, to praise the king, the creator. And that's a pretty powerful thing, announcing the reign of God as it concludes a prayer of trust and confidence in the king, prayers for help and deliverance, a prayer for every season that we face. If, if it, anything throughout this whole teaching series, some of you might be familiar with the psalm, some of you might not. I'm hoping to give us a few of those resources, some of those summaries along the way that we know out of 150 psalms, we can orient ourselves just a little bit of where we can go. But what gives me great maybe encouragement is to think about all the people who have prayed these words before us. Yes, Jesus. Yes, the early church. Yes, the people of Israel, God's chosen people, and also all those that have come after, the saints and the sinners, the legends of the faith that we might think of, people like Basil the Great, people like Augustine. But I think the Psalms remind us that we're not called to figure out this prayer life alone, that we're not left to our own They help us pray, and they offer us this sort of company of friends 
to pray with us. A great cloud of witnesses, if you will. That when we pray the Psalms, we can be confident that, yes, we will hear the voice of saints and sinners in them. We will hear the voice of Christ in them. And I think we can also be confident that in the words of the Psalms, we can trust in the God who hears our prayers, that we will find God in the midst of them as well. So even as we stumble along, maybe, and try to figure out this whole prayer life, my great comfort is that we're not figuring this out alone, but that we have others, that great company of friends that have prayed these faithful prayers. No matter where we are on the journey, they can form us to take it all to God in our prayers. This very sort of of generally is prayers of help and prayers of trust, but these will continue. And even next week, prayers of complaint, prayers of vengeance, prayers when we feel like we need to curse something. (laughs) It's there too. So let's pray. God, we give you thanks that we have within uh, the words of Scripture these prayers of the faithful that can lead and guide us today, that can train us in the ways that we should go so that we can seek and find you in whatever season and whatever stage that we might find ourselves in. God, we thank you that you are our fortress and our refuge and our shepherd, that you are our light and our salvation and also king. And we put our hope and our trust in your reign this morning. That even as we look out of all that we see that's wrong in the world, we can have trust and confidence in you. So be not far from us, we pray. Lead us and guide us. Attune your ears to us that we might feel your presence all around us. And as we look forward and hope to the years to come, to the next year, God, we ask that you would just lead us and guide us through whatever it is that we encounter. Our trust and our hope is in you, our rock and our redeemer. We pray these things in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.